Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Let's read this together. We're going to read it in the summary of the entire chapter. It says, Hebrews 11 paints a wonderful picture of the men and women who triumph by faith. People who believe God pursued his promises even though many did not see them come to pass in their lifetime. This chapter defines faith and shows that it pleases God. This is a great reminder for us as we navigate this life through this life and cling to the promises of God and look forward to the return to Jesus Christ and his return. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's grab our Bibles. Let's get into the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to be reading from verse 32. I'll be reading out of the New King James, and then I'll be teaching in the New Living Translation as we expound. I use those two. We try to keep those two flows in the church. Um, We can explain that later to you, but it's just a good rule of thumb that we've got. The New King James explains it differently, and it begins to tell us in verse 32, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. How many of you have ever felt strength from God in your weak times in your life? Aren't you thankful for that? Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of aliens or foreigners or strangers. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn into two. Now, that is a very King Jamesy expression of they were chopped in two. Very fierce, very strong in the verbiage here, but he's talking about what the patriarchs and matriarchs went through before them. And it says as well that they were tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, dens and caves of the earth. And all these having attained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. The last verse, verse 40 says, God provided something better for us. What a humbling statement. After talking about everything they went through, and now he says that all of this happened and so you can have a better life. It was for your benefit that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What a powerful powerful scripture. Will you bless the service again? Will you ask God to touch my lips, my heart? Would you pray that God would open your ears and your heart to receive? Your your prayers carry weight. Your faith makes a difference. Can you do it right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray for the atmosphere, that the atmosphere will be conducive, God, for the word of God, that every heart would be receptive there be any stony places, God, in our hearts, and we pray that you just simply saturate it with your love right now and and willingness 
and vulnerability. We pray right now, dear God, that there be no distractions in the hearts of anyone, that the pure love of God, that the Spirit of God that will catch our attention and grasp the Word and obtain it, that we can live God stronger and wiser and better than what we came. Change the hearts of the hungry today. Dear God, bless this service for all that are watching online and for all the guests that are here in our church family. We pray in Jesus' name right now. And everybody say amen. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor, give them the title of today's message. The subtitle is, Your Faith Makes a Difference. Tell someone, your faith makes a a difference, and you can be seated. Thank you for standing with us and enduring church aerobics. <laughs> what, what an exciting day we are living in right now. Never before, at least in my lifetime, have I seen all the eyes that are on the church right now. Um, some of that may not be glorious or, or, or nice because everyone has an opinion. But I've seen and you have seen on the media, through news, through, uh, through, through YouTube, whatever medium you entertain yourself with or watch, we've seen the church rise up to every, every tempestuous moment in our nation. We saw the church rise up when hurricanes hit the coast, and we've seen churches rise up when fires have blazed through certain parts of our nation. Right now, just it's kind of indifferent. It's, it's a different moment. Right now, we are, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on politically, we do believe that the church is fighting for their faith right now. More than ever, we believe that. And in moments like this, we come across this 11th chapter, and then we can kind of relate to what they went through. But what they went through was so extreme. The letter's intent here is to speak to the Hebrews on their faith. Let's not forget that they accepted Jesus, and they accepted a new covenant, and they were so bound by the law and religion on the other side that accepting Jesus would have been uh, a step towards heresy. Now, when they accepted Jesus, they would be considered outcast. Because under the traditional law that they had, they had to now make up a decision once they found what the truth was. And, and truth is not really a, a, a circumstance or not even according to the Bible, the written word itself. It's truth as a person and the expression of what Jesus is. The truth is found in the word of God is because it has and bears the spirit of God. In fact, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is, in, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction, and instruction into righteousness. And there is no, according to 1 Peter, private interpretation of the scripture for all has been given by the inspiration of God. So we cherish the word of God and we, we believe what this book says. It's not a history book, it's a love letter. 66 of them, in fact, that reflect our faith and give us something to look forward to. And when you have an experience with God and you have to make a decision in your life of whether or not you're going to completely believe it, whether it goes against all odds, 
whether or not you're going to follow it despite who else is not following. And when you make that decision, you stand out. You're different. And when you decide that it's okay to be different, and when you decided that if no one agrees with you and all that matters is what God thinks about me, then that's okay. I'm telling you that in their life as a Hebrew, they were fighting persecution. We found out prior to this chapter that the other chapters talk about their persecution. They had been given up by their families. Some of them, as we read last week in that 10th chapter, lost everything, lost their homes because of their faith. When you read the book of Hebrews, it gives words of encouragement from the writer, whom most believe was the apostle Paul, right? And so as we look at that, the apostle, if it was Paul, writes and says that they need to stand strong, stay together, uh, don't stop coming to church, but go to church. And last week, we learned a lot from that 10th chapter, but now in this week, the words that Paul's writing to them is this, what you're going through right now isn't new because your parents and your, your forefathers, the patriarchs and the matriarchs, went through some things too. They went through it worse, in fact, in some cases. We read all these things and we found out in, in the New Living Translation that it simply says that they were cut in half, and we'll read that in a minute, and just to think of that for one moment, and now we're talking about Old Testament theology. We're referencing the Old Testament now through the book of Hebrews. All of these that were there in what we call the Hall of Faith in that 11th chapter, all those that suffered persecution did it under an old covenant. Just to believe in God rather than paganism or idol worship had great, great consequences for them. But now under a new covenant, the Hebrews were suffering for believing in not just a man, but King Jesus, the Messiah, the chosen one, the chief cornerstone that became a stumbling block to religion. Now we're looking at them and they have to go through their life making a decision. Am I going to succumb to what's popular? Am I going to, when it comes down to it, and I have no choice, when someone tells me I can't worship or I can't do this or I can't believe, I'm either going to succumb to that pressure or I'm going to choose to believe. Believe it or not, we've actually seen some of this. Whether you agree with it or not, you still have to admit the bravery and the passion that you see in the world right now when it comes to worship and believing God. With all of that, we've been very respectful at Riverside Church as well. All of you know that we have followed the guidelines. We've been obedient. We've done it right. We, have, uh, we take your temperature. Uh, we spray, sanitize before and after services. We wear our, our mask, and whether that is appropriate or not, we just want to make you feel safe. But what would happen, and God forbid, and I'm speaking hypothetical, but what would happen if in the state of Texas or in Victoria they said, you can't even worship, or when you do come to church, don't open up your mouth to sing? Yeah, somebody said, I don't think so. 
In your heart, you said it too, probably, right? Well, this happened actually in California. And so the mandate was given. And I understand because I don't think we need to be so single-minded that we don't understand a perspective. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. But, you know, before you can be understood, you first have to understand, right? But I get it. I understand. Extreme, possibly. But for the church, there was a line drawn. And so there were acts that were committed. And I think, and I have to acknowledge their bravery, I think we have to somewhat associate their faith with what we read in Hebrews and say that these defied the odds and these pressed out. Whether you agree with it or not, it's just the faith of people and their desire for God and their hunger that they have for God. I've learned that when people are hungry for Jesus, they don't care where they have church as long as they get Jesus. And so I saw this article, and it was placed in the news, and I read about Sean Foyt, who led people on the beaches. If you throw that up there, Sean Foyt became very, uh, uh, very political in some cases. And actually, I found out he actually is a worship leader out of a church called Bethel in California, but he's also tried to run for office as well, so he does have some political ambitions there. But still, he's a worship leader, and so he decided, you know, if they're not going to let us worship in the church, let's go worship, worship outside. Let's go to the beaches. And, and, uh, and so they did. And, and listen, whether or not you agreed with that, uh, we can't start pointing the finger, right? Because when we point the finger, we got three more pointing back at us. So we can look across the nation and see a bunch of wrongs or a bunch of extremes protesting to worship, whatever you want to call it. But what let's look at right here in this moment for the sake of the book of Hebrews, let's look at their passion. Let's look at the extremes that they go through just to get to Jesus and, and, and be labeled as a derelict, as, as someone who's crazy or someone who has no common sense and someone who's not intelligent enough. It doesn't matter. When you're hungry for Jesus, all that matters is that you get fed and you're desiring to fulfill worship in your life in this moment. So when you look at this, they said 5,000 people, I believe there was more, but thousands and thousands of people that were hungry just in that region. He became somewhat of a, a, a political a, a target because, because now that there's more, more mandates being pushed out, some states are actually calling uh, Pastor Sean to go out to other states and to hold worship and just people based on their hunger are being there. They're going there. So some on the other aisle are, are protesting. Others are protesting peacefully, worshiping God. And I don't know if they're six feet apart, but I know that Jesus is right there next to them. That's all I know. I just, and, and, and I'm not here to be political, but I want to make a statement here. Anything you do because you desire God, you're not going to please everybody. Not everyone's going to understand you. Not everyone's going to really see your ways, but it's not about them seeing our ways and seeing our motives more than it is us obeying God and following his ways and following and feeling his motives. And, and so we look at this and we begin to look at what kind of chance do we take in our personal life that would cause us to be written off? Or what are we doing that's making us different? When the world gets darker, the church always should be brighter. Not because you've done something miraculous, but light within itself is bright no matter what. 
Light doesn't do something to be brighter. We're not talking about the new technology with dimmer switches, all right? <laughs> technology messes up good sermons sometimes. But light is just light. Light does what it does. Light, light is what it is. Jesus does what he does, and he is who he is. And when he's in the life of someone who lives in darkness, you're bright. Your brightness sometimes can hurt the perspective of other people and how they see God. But if you love them and you're showing love and you're, while you're worshiping God, then you're not weird when you give that kind of love back and respect and you give works, kind works, works of kindness to people. Right now more than ever, we need to love our neighbor. Right now, more than ever, we need to be considerate of others. Now's not the time for debate. Now's the time for worship and praise and praying for people more than ever before. I would rather be known by what I am for, not what I am against. I want you to think about that just for a moment. I want to be known by what I'm for, not what I'm against. In the church, we are for Jesus. We are for worship. Why? Because it changes lives. It sets us free. It empowers us to do what's right. And righteousness exalts a nation. The church has become a strength to our world. Did you know that it's because of the church that this nation is blessed? How many of you believe because God is in this nation through church, worship, through people, through discipleship, through teaching, through giving. That's why in this church at Riverside Church, giving to the community is one of our favorite values. Giving is so, so important for us to make contributions to our community. We must go out there and show the love of God by giving turkey dinners if that's what it takes by feeding the poor, by helping others, by doing acts of kindness, acts of service, those kinds of things. I think, I think our staff does a wonderful job with outreach, don't you? I think they do. I really do. Lives are being changed. People are recognizing it. And, and I pray that one day they call us crazy. I pray one day people recognize this church and say, boy, if you want to go there, you're going to really have to live for God there because that's the real deal over there. You can't play church there. I pray that there were that kind of church, not judgmental, not, not, not fanatical in the way of our dogmatic beliefs that have always been an addition to the Bible, that, but that we are true worshipers who love God and love people and are passionate about what we believe, and we don't care who makes fun of us because we raise our hands, lift our voice, or cry every now and then, or just enjoy what we feel in the atmosphere, but if that's what it takes to be called crazy, call me crazy. It's funny. It's funny. There are so many different views and perspectives in the world. Some people call us extreme just because we raise our hands in church and worship. You haven't seen anything yet. You should have been at our soaking service yesterday. God baptized two people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit right over there in that section. Be careful, still there. If, if believing in healing, call, it means that we're going to be called crazy, then call me crazy. I would rather step out by faith, be known as a fanatic, and watch God make a difference in someone's life through healing, through 
ministry, to deliverance. But through discipleship is one of the main criteria that God gave to the apostles. Then disciples, at the end of every one of the gospels, he gives the great commission. And from their perspective, he told one of them, go to all nations. Another one, that these signs shall follow them that believe. And goes through the criteria of everything that will follow their faith. And, but the main purpose was is to reach somebody and go make disciples of them. Discipleship is one of our values. We value discipleship. We want to see people's lives changed. And we will do it at the cost of being called crazy. It's okay to be different. I accept it. I accepted it a long time ago. I thought being a pastor would be the coolest thing ever, and I thought people would love me more. When I became a pastor, I didn't know I was called to be a pastor. I didn't know what that was. And so I heard the first time I was saved, I heard the word pastor, I was thinking it must be somebody who works out in the fields with animals or something, right? I didn't know. I came from a, from a Roman Catholic background 19 years of my life. I had no idea what pastoring was. I thought, I don't want to work outside. I want to work inside. Didn't know. But there's nothing more gratifying than to see the life of an individual change just from a touch of Jesus. And you have to be willing to be labeled with those kind of people. Not the weird kind. We know what weird is. Use some common sense here. But I'm talking about passionate people. People who, when you get around them, all they want to talk about is the Bible. There's nothing wrong with that if you love the Bible. Moses had to take a stand. Well, he's one of our heroes in this hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 30 says that it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused. Someone say refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had it good. He had a good life. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasure. That's a strong word, fleeting pleasure in the NLT of sin. In the King James, it says the pleasure of sin for a season. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. This is Moses. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Verse 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept on going because he kept his eyes on one. Now, this sounds like a paradox and a contradiction, but he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. How can you keep your eyes on someone who's invisible? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that you actually took time out of your weekend and got dressed up, put your foo-foo on and all that stuff just to come to worship someone you can't see? I want you to think about that just for one moment. Have you ever thought that you give generosity, generos- you give out of the generosity of your heart to a cause of someone you can't see? Where did Moses see God? Well, first of all, he had this experience on the backside of a desert in a burning bush. That burning bush wasn't God, but it was the expression of the invisible. It was a sign 
just a sign of someone who wasn't there but was there. Just a sign that followed his sacrifice. I believe if Moses would have stayed in the house of Pharaoh's daughter, then he would have never had the burning bush experience. But he made a decision that he was going to step out by faith and follow after God and do his will. But then later in his 80s, it is never too late, by the way, to say yes to Jesus. It is never too late to be obedient to the callings in your life. If you had a calling when you were in your 20s, I guarantee you, if you've not fulfilled it yet, you still have the calling in your 60s, 70s, or you'll have it in the 80s. It's never too late. Moses thought he was all lost. Moses forgot about it. Moses became so insecure and so broken, he, he, he couldn't even talk straight. He had a stuttering problem. He was so broken. So broken. He didn't feel equipped. God, hear me out. Equips the called. God doesn't look for perfect people. God looks for willing people. And the uniqueness about this story is that Moses now was so broken. God looked at him and he said, now I can use him. You ever wonder why you went through the things you've gone through? Have you ever wondered why you had to go through this or you're experiencing what you're experiencing right now? Have you ever wondered why you, you, you had to be in a position where everyone saw you fall? I mean, like everyone knows about what happened. You ever wondered why? But have you ever thought that the same people that saw you fall, they're going to be the same people that see you succeed? And now your test has become a testimony. And now everyone knows that God did it. You see, you couldn't see God, but you knew something had to happen. And that's why we always say there must be a God. There must be a God. How many of you had a different past than your present right now? How many of you wasn't raised? You weren't raised in church. How many of you you weren't raised in church? You grew up wild and crazy. You can raise your hands because I'm the only one raising my hand right now. But does anybody else was crazy? I mean, you know. Listen, let me tell you about me. Let me, uh, let me tell you about me. I was the son to a nightclub owner. My daddy owned the biggest dance hall in Victoria, Texas. My father built a, a facility about 22,000 square feet. I knew the entertainment industry like some of you have coworkers. We knew everyone in the country industry, the Spanish industry, the, 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 the R&B. We had so many people come through and grace that facility. And, and I'm going to tell you that, that I learned how to do things I shouldn't have learned at the age of 12. I didn't grow up in church. I was nowhere near the church. I shouldn't be in church. I shouldn't be standing in front of you right now. When I remember who I was and where God brought me from, it doesn't give me an ego. It makes me humble. I know I shouldn't be here. So, so I'm saying this to you. Your desire for God and your gratitude towards God and, and the mercy that God has bestowed upon you and the grace of God that's there ought to make you crazy enough and fanatical 
vocal enough and passionate enough that you'll do anything for him now because you can never pay back what God has done for you. I can spend a lifetime, but I'll never be able to pay him back because I'm in debt to him. I'm in debt to him. So if you really want to know what drove the Hebrews, it was their gratitude for the goodness of God. It was the gratitude. Number one, the point I'm going to make today, the first one is the world needs our faith. The world needs our faith. Now is not the time to hide your head in the sand. Now is not the time to be politically correct. Uh, Before you judge that, hear me out. Because sometimes even as much as you respect and love and appreciate where you're at, it can stop you from where you're going. In other words, I am so thankful for the United States of America. I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm Latino. But when my people act crazy, I turn turn Italian. (laughs) They're my people. That's what God told Moses when they were messing up in the wilderness, right? The people you brought out, your people are messing up, and they built a golden calf. God turned Mexican on it, right? Moses, nombre them people, they messed up everything now. I got to start over. I got to start over. Your people... How many of you people got people? (laughs) We all got people. Don't look at me. We all got people. (laughs) But I'm good with, I'm good with my people, my brothers and sisters in the church. I'm good with whom God has identified me to be and do life with. I'm not ashamed to be called your pastor. I'm honored. I'm so humbled that you, and the truth is, I just, I'm just so thankful that you decided to come to church today. We are so thankful that you decided to worship with us today. We, sh- we know, because we, we know we shouldn't be here. My father was a very successful business owner. He owned a number of businesses. My father was a millionaire. But we, we got saved after my father died in 1980, and we had the businesses. But we gave it all up. We were having huge concerts we had George Strait. We had Steve Warner, Doug Stone. I knew them. If I named some Spanish bands, some of you would start doing the crica right now. <laughs> and if you don't know what a crica is, it's what... <laughs> That's what a crica is. But anyways, when we started following after Jesus, we lost a lot of friends. They thought we were crazy. They thought that we lost our mind because we started having Christian concerts and we started having people. Rebecca St. James came to Victoria. I don't know if you remember her. There were just a number of people that, that thought that we've lost our mind because we, we stopped serving alcohol or we stopped doing this and, and we, we just started to live for God and people thought, what in the world happened to them? I, I'm happy to report to you now, I pastor some of them people. It's amazing. 
Some of you knew us when we were growing up. I was the youngest of all my brothers, but, but I was still around. And now I pastor some of these people. I don't belong here. I'm not supposed to be here. But God in his infinite wisdom says, I'm going to pick somebody that, that most people know and, and, and most people recognize and that's been identified with another group of Egyptians. And I'm going to choose that guy, and I'm going to use him to bring them out of Egypt. And I'm going to say to the world, there is a God through his life. That's where God proves everything is through our life. And so the Hebrews, they, they, they're the ones who built a gap, bridged the gap for you and I as Gentiles, who now we step into this new era under a new dispensation of grace, and we start believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody's going to see what you see. I've used this before, but let me explain it to you again. You remember when the wise men, they followed and they were looking for the star where Jesus was, the sign that the Messiah would be where the star was. And then Herod got wind of it. And when Herod got wind of it, he called the wise men in and asked them where the star was. They didn't hide it from him. They told him where it was. He didn't want to worship the Messiah, he wanted to kill the Messiah. And so they gave him the projections and the points of where he was. When they left, the star reappeared and the wise men followed. But when Herod looked out there, he didn't see the star. You see, because it wasn't meant for him to see, it was meant for them to see. He would see it later, possibly. He will see the reason the star was there and know about the reason the star was there, maybe before his death. But he would never see the star. Not everyone is going to see what you see when you follow after Jesus. Not everyone's going to understand what you understand when you follow after Jesus. But if you'll follow after Jesus, when they got there, the encounter they had with an infant baby, that was a royal dedication right there. The angels appeared. Angels, angels appeared. They gave their gifts, and heaven established its prince, who was going to be future king, to lead many, many out of the proverbial Egypt, out of our sins, into a promised land. That's what you and I are in right now, the promises of God. That's why the scripture says, us without them are incomplete. And them without us is incomplete. Because they prepared a way. They were there. They were there. You have to be able to love people despite the differences. My wife started working for the school district a while back. She works with special needs in, in the community. We call them our heroes. We call them our champions. And, and, and we love our community. My wife loves what she does. My wife has never gone to work and, you know, come back at the end of the day and said, I preached to them today, honey. I gave them the word, baby. I got my Bible. I thumped them. If you know my wife, she can never thump a fly. I mean, if you know my wife, she, she just loves people. My wife has never preached a sermon, but she's lived a sermon. And she won her boss over to God. And, and, and this amazing woman 
won her sisters to God. And God is doing something tremendous. Where are my Jesus witnesses? Can y'all come up here right now? I want to hear from them. I want you to hear from them. Make them feel special. Come on. I want you to tell everybody what God brought you out of, what he's doing right now, and what the church has done for you. Just check it out. Okay, good morning. My name is Melissa. This is my sisters Cassie and Judy right here. Um, we grew up Jehovah Witness. Well, it, was a, it was a split household, Jehovah Witness, and uh, my father was a, a non-practicing Catholic, so it was a very confusing time. Um, but... We have certain beliefs that my mom ingrained in us, and she's actually still practicing Jehovah Witness till this, till this day. Um, but there was a lot of things that I didn't believe in, and as an adult, I started practicing, um, going to, you know, doing my own thing, going to the meetings, going to the conventions, having Bible studies, and I just could never commit to baptize myself as a Jehovah Witness just because it just didn't feel right with my spirit. It just didn't feel right. But... That led to me saying, I don't want religion in my life at all because I didn't trust religion anymore. And so, but one day, ironically, um, I came to church, but also to Pastor Don, like um, Pastor Bobby said, she never preached to me. She never said, you know, come to church, but she did show love. And I would always go by her desk and, you know, talk to her and she comforted me. Like, everyone knows that she just... She has like a ring of love around her. <laughs> um, so um, I came, I was at a bad, I was at a bad place in my life. At, it was last October, actually. And I was dealing with a lot of things coming up from my childhood. I was dealing with a lot, like spiritually, um, everything. I was dealing with a lot that, at that time. And um, Miss Erica right here, <laughs> well, actually, I came for the dedication of the babies that were dedicated actually today, um, but they had added to the family, Ophie. And um, so on that day, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go see the dedication. You know, their babies are so cute. So I was like, I'm going to go. And so I tried to sit in the very back and, you know, be like, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was coming into. I just wanted to come and, you know, come to the dedication. And then Pastor Bobby saw me, oh, Miss Medina, yeah, guys, come up here, front row. And I'm like... No, and it's just no. You know, Don's right here. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I came up here, and um, Sister Betty, um, during the prayer call, um, she uh, beeline to me. I wasn't not trying to get prayed for or anything that day at all. I was just trying to, you know, just come to see the dedication. And um, she prayed for me. Started crying like a little baby. And um, you'd, and also too, I was going to mention. Uh, because we come from a, um, a background where worshiping, you know, when we're praising and worshiping, we usually don't raise up our hands. And, but, and so that was kind of different for me. And when I saw that, I'm like, huh. And so you know, I started to warm up to it. And, and then when I saw God see, doing things in my life, I, I started to praise and worship with my hands up because he deserves that praise and worship. Only him, only him could answer the, those prayers that, you know, no one else knew. Um, but also, too, like, I always pray for your family because um, at the beginning, my sisters didn't know me. <laughs> I mean, they knew me, but they, they're like, where did she go? Like, every morning we would talk, and I'll, all I talked about is God. I talk about, like, come to church, y'all. You have to come, y'all, you know. And they're like, calm down, calm down. <laughs> but, um, you know, now they're here. <laughs> but let, let, here, here it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, now we're the same as her now. <laughs> we're crazy in love for Jesus. But um, my name is Judy. I just wanted to share some a scripture with you. Um, I'm going to start with Psalm 3418. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit. That scripture described me a year ago when I first came to Riverside Church. I carried so many burdens from life and past hurt. I truly believe that God led me here and my family to this church so he could reveal to us the true meaning of worshiping in spirit and truth. I'm so thankful for everyone here, for the pastors, for my church family, for everyone that have really helped us grow in the journey and grow deeper in knowledge of God through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And by that, we're able to have a true relationship with God. Most of all, I give glory to my Heavenly Father because he has shown me so much grace and so much mercy and so much love, and I love him with all my heart. I just want to encourage someone today, if you feel brokenhearted, God knows you and he sees you and he loves you and he wants to heal you. All you have to do is surrender to him because when you do, he will transform you and make you a new creation. Thank you. My name's Cassie. I just, to, I just wanted to learn more about God, but I didn't know how to do that until Melissa introduced Riverside Church to me. I was very skeptical at first, but I stepped out of my comfort zone and gave it a chance. When I met Pastor Bobby for the first time, he prayed over me. That was the beginning of my faith and love for God. Going from a different church to Riverside Church was a big move for me. I allowed myself to trust in another church, only hoping it was a move forward in my, family, in, in my life. I was scared at times because it was all new to me, and I wanted to stop because it was too much for me at times. But I had my faith that God brought me to Riverside Church and their family for a reason. I wanted to make a bit right decision for me and my family. Every day I got a little stronger. My faith started to grow even stronger. Then I felt the Holy Spirit was something that I never felt before. <laughs> I didn't understand what that feeling was, but I, I knew the Holy Spirit was always with me, and I felt peaceful and that strong love for all. The Barrera the family loved me for me and never gave up on me. Always pray for me and have faith to not give up on God. And I'm thankful for, to them in the River Church for always praying for me. Now I, see, now I seek God for everything. He's my number one life going with my family. If I say to anyone, it doesn't matter where you're at in life, just know you're a child of God, and God is waiting for you open arms. Amazing. Amazing. Let, 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 me, let, me say, let me add to this. It was all new for them. But when you lose the fear of being identified with being a Jesus lover and you love people, it's not the message, and it's not your theology that changes them. It's your actions. And, and what's amazing about this, all of them have been water baptized, and she, shortly after teaching her a Bible study about being born again of water and of the Spirit, she received her prayer language and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, now if, if God has it for us, we want it, Right? And yesterday, during the soaking service, they received their language as well. Amazing, isn't it? 
Amazing. Give him a round of applause. Guys, if y'all want a very spirit-filled experience, come to the Soaking Service Saturdays that you would not regret it at all. <laughs> point number two and the last point, and we're fixing to close, is faith builds our reputation with God. More than ever, the church needs to come out of the four corners from hiding more than ever, the church needs to be the church, and, and, and you don't have to be weird about it. You just have to be passionate about it and really believe that your experience is for everyone and that God has more for you. What separates people who get things done and succeed in life and, and champion things that they set their goals on is the fact that they do it. It's the fact that they walk it out. In the church, what Jesus did was enough for all of us. He walked it out. He fleshed it out. The word became flesh. But with your experience with God, if you'll build on that, and if you'll just simply obey the Spirit of God, as you read your Bible, just obey the Word of God, you're going to see that God is going to start moving in your life. God is going to start moving in other people's lives that you know. See, the invisible part of the, of the God that we serve moves through the heart of a people. So my wife never preached to you, but I can testify and say this. She prayed for you all every single day, and that was enough. That was enough, and coupled with acts of love and a simple invitation. My point is, is that now is not the time to be afraid to be labeled as a Jesus lover, a believer, a Christian. Despite the bad apples in the bunch, if there ever was any, per se. It doesn't matter. Who you are is who you are. Jesus lost his former reputation when he came into this world. The scripture says he took on of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. He was the king of kings, and he said, I came to serve. And the greatest leader there ever was led his 12 to serve. And the concept in the kingdom is this, those that are great shall be least, and they that are least shall be great. It's a backwards concept according to the world's standards, but it works. Sometimes God calls us to pioneer a movement or pioneer a, a revival in our lives. And, and revival can happen in your family. Revival can happen in your work. Revival can happen whatever profession you've got. If you're a business owner, you can see God move with your co-worker's life by simply living the life and being loving and just simply being Christ-like. It's not hard to do but it's necessary right now for us to give that kind of like, light in our world. When we step forward, when we step out by faith, when we begin to acknowledge the fact that Jesus really did something and we appreciate how good it is. If what we have is really good, then we should be sharing it for others and with others so they can experience the same thing. We can't hide it and we can't keep it to ourselves, but we have to step out by faith and we have to start taking the story he gave us and start changing history. We need to be history makers. We need to be people who aren't afraid to step out first. No matter how much we make fun of Peter, 
he stepped out of the boat first, and for that, I respect him. I mean, you got to give him some kudos there, right? You got to give him some likes. Oh, look at that. Give all them hearts out there. You ever do that? Watching a video? Tell them to know I'm here. <laughs> you have to respect people that are pioneers. Did you know that you may be the pioneer for your family? You might be the one that God wants to use on your job site or your community. I'm going to go further. You ready? Keep looking forward. Don't look around. Maybe your neighborhood. I know. I know. I don't want to be that neighbor. Oh, my God. Here they come. They're co- wait, wait, wait. They're coming to our door. They're walking in. They're coming to the sidewalk. They're there. Hide. Why? They're believers. Got to take a chance. Jesus pioneered the kingdom of God. No one understood it. Not even the disciples. They didn't get it. But they got it afterwards. They understood it later. Here's the closing thoughts for today. Come on, Haley. Here's the closing thoughts for today. And I have more scripture. If you want my sermon, every single sermon on Sundays, every one of our semesters, we give them on our app. We have an app. You can look for the app. Download everything. Podcast. Uh, We have a YouTube channel. Everything. You can get that and print them off at the house, the notes, and go over it. So I am skipping it today for time's sake, and I want to give you the closing thought. Your faith in God is all you need to change your world. The question you have to ask yourself, what is it in your world that you want to see changed? What is it? What's there? Is it something in your family? Is it something, maybe it's so close that you don't know how to deal with it. Maybe it's even in your own heart. Maybe it's something you want to see change that you wrestle with. Maybe it's a desire or an addiction. Maybe it's a thought process. The only one that can change that is Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. Take a chance in Jesus. Believe the the Bible for what it says of who he is. He's not far from any of us. But whatever you want to see change in, If you're frustrated because maybe you're raising kids that don't want to live for God, maybe, and I'm going to step out and say this because I don't, and keep looking forward, don't look anywhere else, maybe it's your better half. The way you win them to God is going to be through love, not through religion. Not by forcing your beliefs on somebody. But becoming susceptible to the direction of the Spirit of God and vulnerable where you open up your heart and you say I I just surrender to you Jesus I surrender my whole thought process my passions my desires my priorities everything I I don't matter I have to decrease because I want you to increase in my life and if you'll trust God there with your own life he'll start to change the lives of other people around you your prayers have power and authority and you can see things change Your financial situation can change as well. Provision. Everything is susceptible to change under the direction of God. Everything. So the challenge for the week, if you want to write this down, here's the challenge for the week. Step out by faith this week. Be a real Christian this week. Step out by faith. Pray. Pray by faith. 
step out by faith. Well, I don't know who to talk to. God will give you somebody. I remember one time, and I'm going to close this story. I remember one time I was, I was praying and I was fasting and I was so hungry. Hadn't won anyone to Jesus. I wanted to teach a Bible study. Really never taught a Bible study. And I said, God, give me somebody I can talk to. Uh, just get it. Gifts give me a chance. So I went to the church and, and I went there and I started praying. When I first got saved, the pastor was so kind to me. He, he let me come in and pray for the day. And I was there and I, I, my prayer was, God, just lead me, just guide me. That was my prayer. Didn't know what else to pray. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do something crazy. I feel his presence. I bet you I can feel him direct me, like guide me. Isn't that crazy? So I said, I'm going to try this. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I went into the car, and I put on the worship music, and I started worshiping God, and as I felt a nudge, I took a right. I thought I was crazy. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. This, is, this may be heresy. I don't know. I took a right, and I started feeling the Spirit of God, like, kind of nudge me, like I felt impressed. Take a left. Go straight. I felt him telling me, keep go straight. I ended out on the outer skirts of town in the middle of nowhere. Didn't see anything. Then I heard God, that voice again, because at that moment I thought maybe that was just me. Then I heard that voice again and felt it take a left. And I went down this dirt road and there were trees and he said, take a right in this driveway. And when I drove into the driveway, behind all those trees was a business. And this business was there and I thought, Wow, okay, I didn't even know this was here. Hard to see from the road and from the highway. And I drove and I parked and God said, go inside. See, I went to school and I took, some, I took college for instrumentation. My, my, uh, what I did before I pastored, I was an instrumentation technician and an air conditioning technician as well. And I worked for a power plant in generation. That's what I did for a living. And my professor, the guy that actually taught me I hadn't seen him in years, but he knew I was a Christian because I got saved at that time. And, and lo and behold, when I walked in, I, I didn't know what else to say. And I didn't have a word. I didn't have anything, but I felt like God told me to be, come here. And she says, the secretary at the desk said, how can I help you? And what am I going to say, right? The Holy Ghost led me here. I don't know. I said the stupidest thing, right? Get, can I have an application? Are you hiring? That's all I can think of, right? doesn't make any sense. She goes, no, we're not hiring right now. I said, well, I said, can I have an application anyways? You know, can I have one of those applications? Maybe just in case. I was just like dragging it on, right? I'll fill it out right here. I'll just fill it out. <laughs> you have a pen? Oh, it's not working. You have another pen? I'm trying to make this thing last. All of a sudden, my professor walks out. His name was Robert. He looked at me. He goes, Bobby? I said, hey, man. I said, thank you, Jesus. He said, man, I have been looking for your number. I just, I just feel like God wants me to get closer, and I need someone to teach me a Bible study. Can you teach me a Bible study? I said, sure I can. I'll teach you a Bible study. I took that application, put it in my pocket. I don't need that anymore, right? I'm not saying go home and do the same thing. That was my experience. But where does your faith lie? That's going to be your experience.
does your faith lie? Your faith may lie in being in public and being in the grocery store and just feel compelled to tell somebody Jesus loves you. Your faith may be compelled to simply invite someone to church and say, you ought to come and get what you need from God. Your faith may be simply smiling at someone. I don't know. Wherever your faith takes you, I'm asking you this week, step out by faith. Step out by faith and watch what God will do. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning? I know we went long. Are y'all okay with this? Can we close with worship right now? Can we just seal this with worship? Can we just lift up our voices and just simply allow God to move in our life? Just for one minute, just for one minute. Come on, everybody, all over the place. If you've not given your life to the King of Kings, make that moment right now. <laughs> make that moment happen right now. Tell them, tell them right now with all of your heart, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me for my ways. Lord, renew my spirit. God, today I want you to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Make that happen right now. Now for everyone else, if you'll just surrender, lift your voice. Put on your prayer language right now. Pray in the Spirit and just speak by faith and tell them, God, in the name of Jesus, open my heart. Use me like never before. Don't let me hide in my comfort zone. But God, let me step out by faith in my world. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for a testimony. I pray, God, lead me to somebody. I pray, dear God, use me. Use me and direct me. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.